You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, welcome to the Oz Network for the beginning of our nine days of Oscars, or I guess ten days of Oscars, nine days of nominees. Uh, Who knows? We're just winging it at this point. Uh, No proper planning put into this, but uh, we've been teasing it for a couple weeks. We are going to be covering all nine of the Best Picture nominees out there for this year's Academy Awards. And we get to start with uh, a little movie called The Post, directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, My name is Colin, and insert clever, witty line from Steven Spielberg's The Post right here. My name is Ben, and quickly jumping through IMDb quotes for this movie, um, podcasting is the first rough draft of history. There we go. Oh, that was my line. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> Got to be quicker on my feet here. Um, we've talked a little bit about what we're going to be doing with these episodes, which they're going to be very quick fire. These aren't going to be really in-depth reviews. I don't think we've really discussed whether we want to go into spoilers or anything on these um, or not. But uh, this is just sort of like a, a, a rundown, a little countdown as we lead up to the Academy Awards. And this is something I've always done, which is just watch all the Best Picture nominees. Ben, I don't know, have you ever done this before? Have you ever gone through all Best Picture nominees? Never in my life, and I've always wanted to do it. Uh, and I say every year, I'm going to do it, uh, and I never do. So, um, I mean, I couldn't even tell you what the maximum amount of Best Picture nominees I've ever seen going into an Oscars is. I'd have to go through them all. But, um, yeah, I, I've never done it before, so I'm so super excited to have a reason to do it this year. And so far, we are nine days away from the Academy Awards, and you are at one of the Best Picture nominees. Oh, sorry, two. Technically two. I've seen Dunkirk. Two. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm about halfway through here, so some of these I've already given my opinions on. Not this. I held off on this. But uh, these are just going to be very quick fire. Uh, partly our opinions on the movie, and then partly just talking about its Oscar chances coming up. So uh, let's just start it off, Ben, if you want to let me know on uh, your opinion. As a journalist, as a world-renowned journalist, much much like um, the great Ben Bradley, what did you think about The Post? Yeah, look, it was a bit like right being right back in the newsroom, because this was very similar to all the uh, great journalistic work I did, you know, besides covering Doris's flower show and, uh, you know, things like that. <laughs> uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it goes without saying, I think every human on this planet is a fan of both Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Uh, so, you know, I mean, automatically, these two could do a buddy cop movie uh, and be, like, racist, sexist, you know, bigots, and it would be a fantastic movie because it's Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Um, but I mean, outside of the, the two of them, I mean, it was, it was actually really entertaining. I didn't know too much about this. Um, and it's good to see journalism in a positive light and see what journalists can actually do for the good, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess it was good depending on your viewpoint on what they did. Um, but it was very entertaining. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's very, you know, it's, this is a movie about, uh, basically a newspaper wanting to publish an article. That's basically all it comes yeah. down to. <laughs> but I mean, the fact that it can be so entertaining, uh, and I mean, I wasn't bored throughout this movie. I, I enjoyed all the performances in it and, uh, you know, it was very, very intriguing. So yeah, no, I, I actually really enjoyed this film. So it was good. I, I don't know if we chose a good one to start with here. I mean, I guess it was nominated for best picture for a reason, but, uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Um, I love how you mentioned, you know, there's anybody who isn't a fan of Meryl Streep. Oh, God, um, here we go. Tom Hanks. But, well, uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of Meryl Streep. It's just when it comes to the Oscars of Meryl Streep, let's be honest. It doesn't matter what she's in. She could be starring as Mrs. Conductor in Thomas the Tank Engine, the motion picture, and they're going to give her a Best Actress nomination. I think that just gets annoying after a while. Uh, having said that, this is the first time 
where she's been nominated for Best Actress, and I've been like, it doesn't matter that she's Meryl Streep. You could have you know, had any random actor playing this role, and it probably would have been worthy of an Oscar nomination. I'm a little bit disappointed this didn't get some other nominations, which we'll talk about close to the end, but... I love how you could not mention the name Steven Spielberg. Like, who doesn't love a Steven Spielberg movie? Because, let's be honest, it's been about 15 years since he was really good at making movies. Um, I remember when uh, Jamie and I walked out of this, I was talking about, uh, you know, my opinion on the movie. I'm like, you know, the very least I could say, it's the most I've enjoyed a Spielberg movie since probably Minority Report in 2002. Wow. When you run through the movies he's made since then, I mean, The Terminal, not great. Oh, War of the World. no, boo. Terminal was awful. I love the uh, Terminal. War of the Worlds, pretty bad. Oh. Uh, Munich, good movie, just about 15, 20 minutes too long. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. It's not a great movie, though. Adventures in Tintin, probably the most enjoyable movie he's made in the last 15 years. War Horse, awful. Like, how that got a Best Picture nominee, I don't know. Lincoln, awful. I don't know how that got a Best Picture nomination. <laughs> Bridge of Spies, I was probably the one person who just thought that was the, the worst uh, spy movie ever made. Uh, and then the BFG. So I thought this was a pleasant change of pace and that Spielberg made a decent movie and a movie that really doesn't have a lot to it. Like you said, it's sort of about writing an article, but somehow it is entertaining. And I know there's one of the reasons I w- waited to record this episode with you is because Jamie didn't have much opinion. She sort of thought the first half of this movie was really boring. Uh, and she spent a long time being very critical of the acting, which I had to remind her, she's like, they just sound so weird and their performances are so weird. And I had to remind her, like, they're playing real people, not only real people, but real people who are quite famous and particularly Tom Hanks. His character has been portrayed in movies before. Did you ever see all the president's men? No, I have not seen that. I mean, it's the most famous journalism movie of all time, really. Well, I'm a very uh, and... famous journalist myself, so I watch all the famous journalism movies. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, I love my craft. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, he was playing a character that was well-known not just in real life because he's, you know, the editor who helped break Watergate, but also he's been played in a movie before, a very famous movie, All the President's Men. So I think both of them were just playing real people, and that's kind of what I liked in that it, this didn't feel like it was Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks playing Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Well, like, let's be honest. I, I mean, I absolutely love Tom Hanks. I mean, I'm glad you didn't say anything like Rory Rise at Tom Hanks because you just would not be human mm-hmm. if you said that. But, like, all Tom Hanks seems to do now is play real-life people. Like, I mean, is this, yeah. is this just, like, legitimately the point of his career where this is all he does? Because, I mean, what, he played Walt Disney, didn't he, recently? He did uh, Sully, the the um, the pirate captain guy. Captain Phillips. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is, like, all he's doing. Uh, and, I mean, but he does it so well. Like, I mean, I think everybody out there wants Tom Hanks to play them in a movie at some point. But, um, I mean, I should mention, I'm a Steven Spielberg fan. I mean, he did direct the greatest movie of all time. So, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm always going to... Love Mr. Spielberg, but, uh, I mean, this is the funny thing is, when you see a movie with Steven Spielberg directing Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, like, legitimately, it's just like, oh, have an Oscar. Just have one. Like, they, yeah. I think they did that joke, didn't they, at the Golden Globes with, uh, Seth Myers. He kind of was talking about it, and they started bringing out, like, five Golden Globes, and Seth Myers was like, no, 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 not that yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. So, um, you know, clearly they've gone out of the way. But I just want to point out, too, two other actors who, to me, are almost like the Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks of TV who I'm huge fans of, and I'm glad they're kind of, you know, even though one of them's in it for like two seconds, uh, Sarah Paulson and Bob Odenkirk, who are, you know, mm-hmm. also great to see them in a, in a movie like this. Um, and I was just sad that Sarah Paulson's literally in it for like five minutes. <laughs> but, you know, I, I still love you, Sarah. 
Yeah, the other two, like, I, this is where I thought you were going, but this just shows the difference in the shows we watch. I was uh, all about Jesse Plemons in this, who was in the TV show Friday Night Lights and also in the most recent Fargo TV show. Um, he's become, like, a huge star, even just in movies recently. And then Matthew Reese, who plays the main guy this movie starts with, the guy who smuggles out these papers. Uh, he stars on my favorite TV show, The Americans, which is going into his final season. So, I mean, Spielberg did a good job of surrounding Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks with a lot of these actors that nobody's really going to know their name. They just know I've seen them in something, like Bruce Greenwood, which Bruce Greenwood was the other funny one because he was playing Robert McNamara, who is probably the most famous character in this movie. Uh, and yet uh, it was like 15 years ago that he starred as JFK in the movie 13 Days, where another actor was playing Robert McNamara. So I kind of made those connections. But it's a very historical movie, and I feel like this is maybe where it got lost on Jamie a little bit, is if you don't go into this knowing a little bit about, um, I guess, the media's role in politics and, you know, the whole Watergate thing that followed this, but also just the whole time period with the Vietnam War and everything led into it. I mean, Spielberg doesn't waste any time in this movie trying to explain anything to the audience. He wants you to sort of be dropped into this as if you know the world already. And if you're not uh, a fan of history or if you haven't seen uh, anything else from this time period, then you're going to be a little bit lost, I feel like. Well, I mean, and like kind of going back to what I was saying, like, I mean, I, I'm aware of what Watergate is. I probably don't know the ins and outs of it. Um, and, you know, other things around this period I, I'm familiar with. But, you know, in studying journalism, we're not necessarily learning entirely about kind of things like this. We're learning about some other specific things. But, I mean, I think what I took from it to just whether or not I knew the history or not of it, it's, it's, it's just showing, kind of going back to what I was saying before, is that, like, what roles journalists and newspapers and things, you know, can play. I mean, it's, it's rare now. Now, of course, uh, how sort of the industry is at the moment. Um, but it's just, I'm so used to seeing journalists and, you know, TV reporters and all these sort of people as just the absolute asshole bad guys in movies and TV shows as scum. So it's kind of good to see, like, a, a portrayal of this. And, and, like, you know, I mean, this is what, in the 70s, I worked in a newspaper in, like, you know, the 2010s. So obviously a lot, a lot of differences, but also just subtle little things that you kind of watch this having worked at a newspaper. Just, it is very similar, just seeing how the newsroom is and seeing, you know, the hierarchy and just little things like that. I sadly never got offered a TV get to New York to just go and, you know, quickly see what another newspaper was doing. But, yeah, just uh, to spy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have loved to, but I don't think the Mercury's budget quite stretched that far. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it's it's a fascinating insight into kind of, particularly how this sort of stuff would have worked back in the, back in the day when, and also like just, you know, technical side of things with, you know, no computers and just seeing how it was printed and, you know, things like that are just, that was fascinating for me. Yeah, and I think the other thing I really liked uh, was the hierarchy you mentioned, that usually when you get a movie like this, it's it's following the reporter and it's following the editor, like all the president's men, you know, the most famous journalism movie of all time, it's really just following the two, the, the two writers and then their editor, whereas this movie, you have your two lead characters, I mean, it really is split, uh, the trailers have kind of made out to be like, it's mostly Meryl Streep's movie and Tom Hanks' supporting character, I would say it's split completely down the middle, but it's the fact that I think they're covering her character, Catherine Graham, who was a publisher, and you never see that in these movies. I mean, this isn't somebody who had a lot of control over, you know, what stories are written, what stories they're going after. It's just, this is the ultimate person who has the final say. Are we going to publish this? Are we going to risk being blackballed, um, you know, and all the political ramifications and stuff like that? She's really just the money behind this thing. But that's a side of these types of stories that we've never seen before. And I think that's what makes 
this character in this movie so interesting is they're not just telling about can we write this or it's a done deal they're like we have everything we need we have all this government documents and everything we have a story we've got weeks worth of stories is just whether or not we're going to be allowed to publish this and that's I think the thing that sets us apart a little bit from other journalism movies. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, as a journalist, I haven't really seen that many, uh, you know, I haven't, was it Spotlight that won a couple of years? I haven't you even didn't seen even it. see Spotlight? I haven't even seen Spotlight, I'm sad to say. Oh. Uh, you know, I think a lot of journalism movies just based around, like, Superman and shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Batman v Superman was a great journalism mu- movie, you know, when uh, Clark Kent's going off to Washington and things like that. So, oh, that was our lowest lane, wasn't it? Other way around, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so I pay attention to the journalism in movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, I was just a plucky old reporter, so I never see the, you know, <laughs> the behind the scenes and the big wigs at the top, you know, like the don't publish this because we won't go on the stock market or things like that. So, uh, but I mean, again, different times. Generally, people in my industry were losing jobs every five minutes, not like, you know, being trumpeted as making your paper national. And I want the movie made of the Mercury, a story making the Mercury a nationally regarded newspaper. That's never happening. Yeah, starring Tom Hanks as Ben Waterworth. Sorry, Meryl <laughs> Streep as Ben Waterworth. <laughs> the play, they all play me. Like that's just yeah, yeah that's how it works. Um, if we talk a little bit just about the Oscar nominations that this got, I feel like because it was a Spielberg movie that had Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, all the early buzz was you know this is the front runner to win Best Picture, and you know it got like a ton of Golden Globe nominations, didn't win a single thing. And it is almost appropriate this is the first Best Picture nominee we're covering because it's the one that probably shouldn't have gotten a Best Picture nomination. And this is going back to when they expanded the uh, amount of nominees to 10. Uh, what happened was uh, it was either the first year or the second year, The Blind Side got nominated for Best Picture. And the only other award it was even nominated for was Best Actress for Sandra Bullock. And that's basically what happened to the post year. It has a Best Picture nomination. And then a Best Actress nomination, and that's it. Like, there's no screenplay nomination, no editing, no original score for John Williams, which is weird, because between this and The Last Jedi, I mean, The Last Jedi score did not deserve to be nominated over this. The music in this was far superior. Um, There's nothing for Tom Hanks, like, nothing at all. And personally, I kind of feel like that's one of the things that damages the credibility of getting a Best Picture nomination is that if, if you have 50% of your nominations are in the best picture category, you're not really one of the best pictures of the year. But they kind of changed this. I don't know if you knew what the rules were. Uh, after that year where the blind side got only two nominations and one of them was best picture, they said, we're not really helping the credibility here. So let's make it that you have to have at least 5% of active members voting for you for best picture. So this just hmm. shows how up in the air the uh the best picture race is this year that this legitimately got at least five percent of the votes from all academy members and yet they only thought it was worthy of two categories is there a reason why they expanded it is it i mean it it seems a bit of a weird thing to do because i'm just looking here it's what it's been about 10 years now since you you've got this um you know what 10 nominees it's just I understand that I guess it, it looks good on a, a movie poster and a, and a DVD cover, yeah. like nominated for Best Picture. Uh, I'm sure that helps a studio out a little bit that they've gotten a film nominated for Best Picture. But I don't know, is is it uh, lose a bit of credibility considering they've doubled the field? I mean, I, I would assume that a movie that got nominated for Best Picture in a field of five is going to be held in higher regard than a movie that's, you know, in a field of ten. I think you get like a lot more money out of it too because i think the idea was they well there was two things one uh they wanted to increase the box office for these movies because they could say 
yes, it, it has a Best Picture nomination, but also there were uh, years, I think it was following 2008, when The Dark Knight didn't get a Best Picture nomination. Robbed. It was absolutely uh, robbed. Yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, and we'll, when we talk about Dunkirk, we'll talk about you know how many other times Nolan was robbed. But following that, they said, well, if we increase this, you know, we can get more movies that uh, are already commercially successful. The idea being, if we just limit it to five, we're not getting the biggest movies out there. So the next year, they expanded it to ten, and that include that was the year that included The Blind Side and Avatar got nominated for Best Picture. Like seriously, <laughs> up you know a Pixar movie. So they got a lot of movies that were making money. But it didn't help the box office of the other movies because The Hurt Locker, which won Best Picture the following year, the first one they had these 10 nominations, is like the lowest grossing Best Picture winner of all time, or at least, you know, of this modern age. So I don't really feel like it's helping the box office of anything because I can remember back in the days, like the late 90s, early 2000s, just being nominated for Best Picture. I mean, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, a foreign film, made $100 million just because it was nominated for Best Picture. You're not going to get that now with anything else. And for the most part, a lot of those movies I remember, like you're talking about that time period, I only heard of because of it. Like, I mean, Chocolat, I mean, you know, Gosford yeah. Park, <laughs> things like that. Like, I mean, I'm only hearing them because of that. And, I mean, God, I would have never heard of Life is Beautiful uh, if it wasn't for, mm-hmm. you know, what's his name, winning the Oscar and then obviously it being nominated for Best Picture. And, I mean, like, I get, again, I get why they're doing it, but... At the same time, it's, I, I just feel like it also just takes away from it as well. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's great, you know, that you can walk away, but I mean, you look at this, we're going to be covering nine films and legitimately, and we'll talk about the chances and everything, but I mean, it's only ever really down to about two or three films. It's, and just, these are just making up the numbers. It's like, you kind of feel sorry for all the people involved in the post who are like, Oh, honey, we get to go to the Oscars. I'm sure it's great for them, but at the same time, yeah. like, you know, they're, they're just sitting there filling seats basically. Mm hmm. And, you know, this is a year, I think, where it is up in the air. There's a lot of movies that really have a chance. But you can tell that based on the amount of nominations. Like, Shape of Water got 13 nominations. Dunkirk got eight. Three Billboards got seven. Darkest Hour and Phantom Thread, six nominations. So we have five movies out there nominated for Best Picture. So more than 50% of them have six or more nominations. Then Lady Bird has five. Call Me By Your Name and Get Out have four. Get Out and Call Me By Your Name have double the amount of nominations from The Post, and those are the next bottom two. So, I mean, this is, being the first movie we're covering, I think it is pretty much a sure thing there is no way that this is winning. Now, having said that, when Spotlight won Best Picture, I think it was only nominated for, uh, I think it only won, like, three awards. So it wasn't, we've also passed the age when the Best Picture winner, you know, can win like six, seven awards every single, uh, you know, every single year. Now we can have a winner like Spotlight that only has three awards, period. But like the Post could win everything it has and only have two. And I don't think there's any way they're going to give it to this movie. Well, didn't La La Land break the record for most nominations or equal than, than it, you know, obviously didn't win best, well, it sort of won yeah. best picture for five minutes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at one of these odds pages here and I, I'm probably jumping in here. You've probably got this in front of you, but I mean, the Post here is ranked sixth. Uh, in the odds here no, I don't have that. for uh for best picture, it's only ahead of uh call me call me by your name, Darkest Hour and Phantom Thread. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I mean, having said that, there's always the upsets, isn't there? I mean, you and I are both I uh, think a big fans of uh, Crash, which often people mm-hmm. regard as the worst best picture winner of all time. But uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoy Crash, so we need to do a defending Crash episode at one point. So, I mean, who knows? It it could happen. Yeah. Um. With Meryl Streep being the only other nomination, I don't know how many of the other Best Actress uh, nominees you've seen, but 
how do you feel about her in the best actress category? Like I said, I think this is the first time where I've really felt like Meryl Streep really did deserve a nomination, not just because, oh, we're giving it to her because it's Meryl Streep, but like her performance was very unique. And I felt like she did something different in this. And she really, her and Tom Hanks kind of carried this movie. You know, looking at the other nominees, uh, the, there's two that I haven't seen yet. Uh, I don't know. I might, I might have picked this even over Margot Robbie and Margot Robbie definitely has a bigger role. Uh, uh, a bolder role, uh, a more over-the-top role, but I think there might have been a little bit more depth in Meryl Streep, so I'd be pulling for her when it comes to Best Actress, even. 21 Oscar nominations she's had for three wins. Like, that's incredible. That is, like, I think you're onto something there about she's just always nominated, but uh, also yeah. 30 Golden Globe nominations of those playing at home. I'm sure they come into our play. Uh, I mean, she's fantastic. There's there's no questioning the, the skill of Meryl Streep, and I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. She does always seem to get a nomination. Uh, I mean, I haven't, like... I think maybe out of what her three wins, maybe the only one I've seen was the Margaret Thatcher one. I I don't know if I've seen the other two that she mm. she won it for. Um, oh no, she won for Kramer vs Kramer. And I've seen Kramer vs Kramer, Kramer. Kramer. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've just not seen Sophie's Choice. So um, yeah. I mean, I've only seen I Tonya. So I've only seen Margot Robbie at the time of recording this. And I I mean I talked about that on uh, our episode for that that. I thought Margot Robbie was fantastic, and it's it's a tough choice because they're both obviously different roles. But I mean, I might just put Margot Robbie ahead. I'm not trying to be a biased Australian, but I think kind of for someone of Margot Robbie's acting chops to kind of play the role that she did, I think it's kind of a career defining role for her. Whereas you expect this from Meryl Streep, um, but I wouldn't be disappointed to see Meryl Streep win this. I don't think she will. But I mean, did anybody think she was going to win it for the uh, the Margaret Thatcher one? I thought that was a bit of an upset, wasn't it? So. Um, I would not be disappointed if she did. Uh, but I, I, out of the ones that I've seen right now, I would probably put Margot Robbie slightly ahead based on what I saw. Oh, look, I mean, nobody expected her to win it for the Iron Lady. Everybody was expecting her to win when she was nominated for Florence Foster Jenkins, <laughs> Into the Woods, August Osage County, <laughs> Julie and Julia, The Devil Wears Prada, Music of the Heart. I do not believe One she was nominated thing. for The Devil. I like The Devil's Wear Pra Devil Wears Prada, but that's not an Oscar-nominated worthy role. Come on. Nor is Music of the Heart directed by Wes Craven, <laughs> starring Gloria Estefan and Meryl Streep. Like, come on. The esteemed pair, the iconic duo, Gloria Estefan. This is just... More evidence that she'll get nominated no matter what she'll do. Into the Woods, like, I'm sorry, I saw that movie. Maybe one of the worst <laughs> movies I have ever seen. And I don't know why she's still singing in movies. Like, Mamma Mia pretty much killed me. But She's a five-time um, Grammy nominee. Thank you very much. I've looked that up here on our list of awards. That's disgusting. I've actually just... I've gotten a copy recently of A Cry in the Dark, which, uh, you know, is based on the famous Australian oh, that's Dingo. Never seen it, but I was talking about that recently with somebody, and I kind of want to see Meryl Streep playing an Australian. So I, I'm going to watch that soon, and I'm looking forward to seeing her in that. That that was pretty much my only knowledge of what an Australian was supposed to be uh, growing up because <laughs> I saw that movie. I'm like, this is the way Australians sound. They all have dingoes. They all have babies. Um, uh, yeah, maybe we'll cover that here on the Oz Network. But uh, anything else you want to add on the post that we haven't talked about? I mean, we're not really getting into too many spoilers. This movie, I think the misconception is that it's about Watergate. It's not. I think the one thing that uh, I really appreciate with this is that it didn't really take a political position. You know, spends half the movie tearing down Robert McNamara and then spends the second half saying it's not really his fault. I mean, 
it, it's it's about what happened during Nixon's presidency. But the movie clearly starts out and says all these people involved saying this isn't Nixon's fault. Kennedy did this. Eisenhower did this. Like Nixon's just following what the last four presidents did. So it didn't really take a political position, which I liked. And it wasn't really about blaming the politicians. It's just, you know, we have to do something to change the way that, you know, the the, the media is allowed access to this or whatever. But I, I kind of appreciate the position the movie took. I don't think there's anything else I really want to add other than just to talk about how good some of those supporting performances are, like Bruce Greenwood and Matthew Reese. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of one of these ones which, you know, obviously in the way we're covering these, it's, it's going to be different. And, it, yeah, there's not a whole lot really we can go out of what we've talked about if we're not doing spoilers. I mean, even the spoilers in this spoiler alert, they published the article. Uh, I mean, it's like, I think it's, it's a historical fact. That's like saying, oh, spoiler alert, the Titanic hits the iceberg. You know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's beautifully shot. I mean, everything kind of, you know, you feel like you're in the seventies. I think it's, you know, beautifully done. Um, you know, we've obviously talked about the acting, the score's great. I mean, just, there's nothing, nothing really I can complain about in this film. And I mean, the one here that I'm actually, the whole time I'm watching this movie going, is that Bradley Whitford? That's so Bradley Whitford. That's gotta be Bradley. And I've yeah. finally <laughs> confirmed here that it is Bradley Whitford. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, this, this is a, a movie thoroughly deserved. I'm assuming we're going to be doing our usual ratings at the end. Uh, I think we, mm. I mean, I, I know what I'm doing. I don't know about you, but, um, I think yeah. one of the review things that I read about it too was interesting how, you know, they're trying to be like, Oh, it's relevant today in a Trump era, you know, like, and oh. it, it's just kind of one of these things like you've always got to find ways to tie it into it. Like when we cover yeah. Black Panther, some of the reviews, the way they're doing about Black Panther, it's like, really? Like, really? You're going to play that card? Like, just God damn mm-hmm. it. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> There's nothing really I feel so, I need to talk about. I just, I mean, I'll just quickly say the supporting ones though. I, Bob Odenkirk, I've not really seen him in anything outside of television. I don't think I've ever seen Bob Odenkirk in a film. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I don't know if you're a Breaking Bad or a Better Call Saul fan. I think we've discussed this before, but I mean, he's just amazing. He's such a great actor and he really yeah. does play the role fantastically in this film too. So... Uh, he's definitely one of these actors who I feel should be in bigger and better things. Not that he's not already highly esteemed in television circles, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big Bob Odenkirk fan. Uh, you know, it's, it's like him and Michael Emerson, I feel, need to be doing more movies and bigger things. Uh, together. Yeah, exactly. There's a buddy cop film, you know, hashtag <laughs> Michael Emerson is a new Kevin Spacey, as in acting chops, not the other side of things. Listen to our lost coverage to get that joke. Uh, but yes. Michael Emerson as Colin Hilding. <laughs> Bob Odenkirk as Ben Waterworth in the Oz Network, the movie. What really happened behind the scenes? Why was Nick so hated? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Jackman um, as so- Jamie Hilding. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um... What would you do with this? Would you buy it, rent it, or bin it? I'd buy this. Uh, I mean, the thing that I find about this one, too, is, like, this is legitimately a movie I could just watch again. I mean, it's kind of, it's weird. This is definitely one of those films where I feel it's like, well, you're not going to just put on a lazy movie on a Saturday night for, you know, entertainment factor. But at the same time, like, there's something still entertaining about it that I could find myself just watching again. If, oh, I'm going to put yeah. the post on. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would buy this film. Yeah, I think it's because the time period, it's handled so well. Like, it really does feel like the 70s. There are movies out there like American Hustle, and I love American Hustle, but American Hustle wants to show you, like, the ugly side of the 70s that nobody has the guts to show on screen. 
uh, because you're going to laugh when you see it. This The movie feels classy, but it still feels like a 70s movie, and that's, I think, what sets it apart from Spotlight. Spotlight is a much superior movie to this, but I don't think I've ever bothered to go out of my way of watching Spotlight since it came out, what, like three years ago? And I kind of thought when this movie ended, yeah, this will be something two, three weeks from now where I'll probably be less impressed with it than I am now. But I just, I look back on it more fondly, even though there's not, like, it's not like there's a huge story in this. So I, I think if you had asked me as soon as I saw this, like a month, a month and a half ago, I would have said probably rent it. But now a couple of weeks later, I'd say I'd definitely buy this. Beautiful. Well, that, of course, we know on the uh, esteemed, uh, you know, reviews leading up into the Oscars, a buy it from the Oz Network is going to bump up its chances, uh, you know, tenfold in the lead up to the Oscars. So you're welcome, Steven like, Spielberg. Yeah, it's like appearing as a guest on Off the Podium and not winning a, an Olympic medal. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty much a given. Yes, yeah, it's the opposite for us. <laughs> so there's one down the post. Um, eight more to go, eight days to go. Uh, I think we know which one we'll cover next because it's a movie we've both already seen. So there's no pressure for you to uh, watch Call Me By Your Name that quickly. So <laughs> what do you say? Like, we're going to cover Dunkirk next. That's probably, you know, the highest grossing movie out there. The one that's been out the longest. The one we could probably talk a little bit more about now since it's been a few months and everybody's seen it. Well, I mean, you tell me because I'm going to probably rewatch Dunkirk again because, I mean, it has been, what, like eight months since it was on at the theaters yeah. or something like that. So let's uh, do Dunkirk. Okay, Dunkirk it is. I mean, that's one I don't have to pay as much attention to because I've seen it before. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think we, from memory, both bought it from memory when we watched it. We mm-hmm. did, yes. I'm looking it here so yeah. don't know if it will change for that i mean it's an, it's an enjoyable movie so um yeah I, i'm looking forward to revisiting it and realizing that tom hardy's in the film yeah um and i think if there's one thing this movie was robbed from or are you going to say it's john williams score or is it tom hanks performance oh that's a i mean uh, tom hanks maybe i mean I, I feel like i mean if meryl streep gets nominated for just you know appearing in a you know a geico commercial or something like that like yeah. i mean you know, Tom Hanks surely should be too. So, um, yeah, I'll say, I mean, nothing against John Williams' score. I mean, he's got an Oscar nomination already. So he's just been nominated yeah. for the wrong film. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say Tom Hanks. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that, especially when you look at, and I haven't seen this movie. So people, once it eventually comes out and I watch it, but like, were a lot of people talking about Denzel Washington and Romy, Roman J. Israel Esquire? <laughs> Um, Can you say that? I, I can't even say that, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, it's and, and I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis getting nominated for Phantom Thread. I mean, I'm sure once we watch that movie, we may have a different opinion, but he's kind of like the male Meryl Streep. He's getting it nominated for everything. Um, but at least this got something. So we have covered two uh, movies, or we've covered one movie. We have seen two movies. we got seven more to go. Uh, do you think we're going to make it all the way to the Oscars, or are you going to fall behind? I, it's all on you, Ben. Well, I mean, just the pressure here is the fact that I'm moving into state in three days, so um, you know, no pressure on me there, but uh, maybe I'll uh, at least watch one of these on the plane up to the Gold Coast and uh, once I get settled in. But I'm always down for a challenge, and I feel that we can achieve this. Uh, I'm generally the one who's usually more freely available for recording, so it's always down to you for whether or not you're available for the recordings, Colin. But, uh, look, I, I'm down for this. I'm, I'm excited and I reckon we can do it. I'm, I'm still just holding out to sit down and watch Lady Bird because it's always been on my bucket list. So bring on Lady Bird. Yeah. And I'm going to say this. There's one movie which we have to break any type of, like, we'll try to stay spoiler free in case people haven't seen these. But one, we have to talk about a spoiler in this because when I did the solo review of The Shape of Water, there was one part of that movie that I just was, I was dying that I couldn't say anything about. Um, 
it's not like you know we're giving away Luke. I'm your father. What? It's more like what? <laughs> well, it is. That's the reaction I had when I saw something in this movie. So. I want to save that one closer to the end. When we do The Shape of Water, I, I already gave a prediction on my solo review as to how you would respond when you eventually saw this, so that'll be fun. Oh, is, um, is but we'll like, back- well, I'm scared now for this movie. Now there's this pressure on me to get something. I probably won't get it. You're <laughs> like, how did you not see this, like the spaceship in Casino Royale? I didn't even see yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> No, if you miss this one, then like uh, you, you're you're fired. Um, you're replaced with Billy Garcia on hey, uh, Oscar coverage here. <laughs> if I had to choose between Meryl Streep and Billy Garcia playing me in a bio of me, I'm choosing Billy Garcia. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't we all pick Billy? Yes. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow to discuss Dunkirk. We won't go through all the other episodes that we have coming out. Uh, just Dunkirk to come. Uh, more Christopher Nolan talk. Uh, until then, my name is Colin, and one down, eight more to go. And my name is Ben, and my decision stands, and I'm going to bed. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.